everybody, and welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Hello, Mark. Well, hello, Sarah. Let's talk about socks. I mean songs. <laughs> Let's talk about socks, baby. <laughs> we, will, we will be getting to some uh, salt and pepper one of these days, but not today. Today we are talking about a song named Reaper by Sia, who I think most people, I could be wrong about this, I think most people probably know Sia best from of course, that amazing closing credits of the very last episode of Six Feet Under. Or am I thinking of someone else? No, that is in fact Sia. Although, and yeah, it, carry But on. it's not the song Reaper. No. You might know Sia's song uh, Chandelier, which was a pretty big hit a few years ago. I'm gonna swing from the chandelier. Do you know that one? She does. Well, no, but I now I don't want to hear it because I really liked your rendition very much. <laughs> well, and see, but yes, having heard that lyric, it it strikes me like it's funny that she has this dark title of the song that we're about to talk about, and then she's associated with this uh, show that was very much about death and how we cope with it emotionally in our lives and yes. incorporate it into our grand narratives. But then. Well, Th- there is a lot of like hope and confidence in the lyrics and in the melodies themselves that m- might be belied by the titles and the associations that we might have with her. Well, and actually, Chandelier is also about, it's a really huge power ballad song that you just really want to scream along the chorus to, but it's about binge drinking. And <laughs> and it's about how sh- how shitty. Is there a follow up lampshade? Basically, but it's kind of like the the it's one two three drink one two three drink throw them back till I lose count. I'm gonna swing from the chandelier and then later she goes here comes the shame here comes the shame. So oh my okay all of that is a pretty good introduction to talking about the song Reaper, which is on her current album. This is acting. Now, the current hit from This Is Acting is a song called Cheap Thrills, which is a really hot reggae-influenced song that is currently in the top five. But Reaper, to me, is the song that should be the next single and should also be in all of our hearts right now. And to demonstrate why, I think we should listen to a little clip. What do you think, Sarah? I concur. Let us do that right now. Okay. Broke down, thought that I would drown Hoped I'd be found for I hit the ground Sunday's at the corner of my eye Yeah, saw you weeping, saw you creeping Saw you sneaking in the shadows long The fear's so strong Saw you at the corner of my eye
have to say, I love Sia. I have loved her last two albums. I really loved the music that she was making back in the Six Feet Under days when she was more of an alternative underground Australian act, because she is, in fact, Australian. And for me, this song is so emblematic of why I love her. As you've already noted, if you listen to the lyrics, this is not a song in which the Reaper is any kind of uh, metaphor or euphemism. I think she's actually talking about death and how there was a time in her life. Yeah. There was a time in her life when she wanted to die and the Reaper was like creep creeping, but now she doesn't want to die. She's happy to be alive and she's telling death to please back off for a minute. So already you've got sort of a, uh, uh, there's a there's a little ripple of excitement for me about the fact that the subject matter is so intense and yet the music and the vocal is so sunny and one of the things that's true for me about this song is that no matter what it's about that drum beat and her f- soaring vocal especially when she hits the chorus and then those two things paired with the with her backing vocal of going the reaper it's like i'm trapped in the greatest 60s girl group time capsule that I could ever want to be trapped in. Yeah, like you should be sitting on the back of a convertible, like swaying back and forth. Yes! Oh my god, we should all be wearing poodle skirts. Like, and that's, yes. And like, I, I, like, I want to be at the pushers in a literal parade f- yeah. just to celebrate deciding that you don't want to die today. Yay. <laughs> Coca Cola's <laughs> exactly. for everyone. It's like, it's like the best pep rally ever about not being dead. But I <laughs> and I just think that <laughs> And we've been to some pep rallies about not being dead, motherfucker. That's right. One or eight, <laughs> frankly. And some of them sucked and I uh, did and I did want to die. <laughs> Sorry about it, I Lisa know. Loeb. Oh, would they she serve stale why. cookies? Ooh, worst. Worst. Like you need Brings to get down the room. You need to get your pink lemonade on point if you're gonna have a I'm happy to not be dead pep rally. Thank you. I know that's right. But I just, I don't know how you feel, Sarah. I don't know. I'm assuming you had not heard this song before. But for me, when I heard, the first time I heard this song, I had that feeling I sometimes get of, oh, I need to re-listen to this mofo right now. Re-listen again and again. I just find this song so ingratiating and it makes me so happy. And I love that that happiness is cut with just the slightest bit of licorice flavoring. How do you feel? Um... As a huge, huge fan of Black Licorice, first of all, I appreciate that um, comparison. (laughs) I also appreciate getting to hear and sit with this song for a while. Uh, There's something about the combination, I sort of mentioned it before, but there's something about this combination of like the title and the subject matter, and I agree with you, I think it's quite literal, and that she is addressing like a physical creature with a scythe yes. and a robe yes it's like nah. um but this the tone of it both the melody and her delivery um pair for this i mean she's singing to capital d death with such confidence that she's like look you know i i know i might have maybe called you here you you thought you should be here uh, like there's been a big mix up and since you're here why don't you dance <laughs> like, that she i feel like she's absolutely sure like you know death comes and he has a he has his job he has his orders right she's completely confident that he's going to be like you know what 
you're right. Like, I'll just cross this off the list. We'll bury the purchase order. NBD, it's fine. Right. That she is completely sure that she should not, that he should not take her and that that's the correct decision and that he will see the wisdom of that. She's like, but, you know, I want to go on a boat and (laughs) there's dudes to snuggle. Like, am I right? (laughs) And Jet's going to be like, yeah, you're right. It's such a good point that basically one of her arguments is... He's going to drink some white sangria and he's going to roll out. I am writing fucking fanfic about Sia and death right now. Yeah. That's how good this song is. Well done. But you're, it. you're so right that in the second verse, which we didn't hear, you're so right that she basically is like, yo, death, I, there are a lot of cute boys I haven't even gotten to snuggle up with. I know. <laughs> Just like, look, you can see the... Here's my, here's my argument. You could see the logic, and I'm sure that he would. Now, here's my question for you. Yes. Because I was reading about the album and about some of the tracks that, like, a lot of, if not all of these, were originally written for other people, no? They were all except one song on the album, This Is Acting, was intentionally, okay. was in, was originally intended to be performed by someone else. Yes, that is correct. This was a Rihanna song. and. Yep. There, I think that really adds to the song for me because I actually read about it before I listened to it. And you can absolutely hear that that this could have been a Rihanna joint. Oh, uh, yeah. But you can also hear how, and if I'm not mistaken, it's not that Rihanna decided, like there were a couple that Adele was like, hmm, not for me. This is not one that Rihanna was like, hmm, not for me. This is one that Sia looked at and was like, this is for me. Right. Like, it was for you. Now it is for me. And, but I would love to hear what Rihanna would do with it. Because I think there would be a very, like, the melodic flavor would be the same. But it would be much more, like, slowed down, toked out, and Mm. dark. Like, totally. I think she would be much more ambivalent about death. Like, the death would come and she'd be like, hmm. And she'd, like, have to think about it. And there would be a couple more verses. And um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen would play death. <laughs> yes. Obviously. Because, oh, my God. <laughs> He's so good in that one Rihanna video. <laughs> I could watch it all day. I love both of them. Uh, but that gave that gave this song to me another dimension i thought that it's like this is it's you know it's great as it is but imagining rihanna's sort of not more twisted but just like there is a mournfulness to her always i i feel that would be really interesting to to hear her actually do this song as was the original intent i'm not saying it turned out wrong but I'd, I'd be interested to hear, like, if Sia changed her mind, it was like, see what you do with it. Right. And I think that actually just speaks to the strength of the song, that it's so easy to imagine it in different artists' voices. It's mm-hmm. like it's, it's it, like, like any good story, it can be retold and not lose its essential flavor when it gains a slightly new perspective. Mm-hmm. If you will. Yeah, and we will, actually, next week. Oh yeah, hello. That's uh-huh. a that, there's like that's like how they bury American Horror Story clues about what the next season's going to be. That's a clue, y'all, about what's coming up next week. 
Oh, I also it feel sure like is. it's worth pointing out. I don't know what to make of this, but I noticed that Kanye West was one of the people who wrote and produced this, which was so uh -huh. interesting to me because there's no Kanye West on this to me at all. But I think that if he were had done it with Rihanna, if Rihanna had done it, there would have been a much more Kanye flavor. That's just my instinct, but who knows? Who can say? Well, I think, yeah, that goes into that. That would be that um, undercurrent of, like, if Rihanna does it, it is a bit slowed down and sort of heavier because it would be a little bit more of a stoner track. Right. And then Kanye would bring that undercurrent of paranoia to right. that part of the... Totally. Uh, marijuana melodies. Uh, I am talking directly out of my ass. <laughs> but I think you might be... So the, another thing I do want to talk about, though, that I really like about this song, and it's true of a lot of Sia's songwriting, because she has had major success writing hits for other people. She wrote Rihanna's song Diamonds, if you know that song. Shine bright like a diamond. She also wrote a song called Titanium that she sang on for David Guetta. She has a tendency to take one strong central image, uh, like a diamond or the Reaper, and her songwriting is very often built around extrapolating from that central image. And I like that very much because I feel like it lets us as listeners immediately hang on to something. And it's easy to hook into a song when there's such a strong central concept. Whereas, you know, I feel like there are a lot of songs in the world that are a little bit more diffused. They're about generally like, I love you forever you're my baby, I'm your baby tonight, whatever. But there's something about something more tangible about the Reaper. And I just think that that gives her songs a certain solidity. And I like that about them. And I feel like that if you listen to, if you know the songs that Arcea's, you start to notice that pattern. And I feel like this is another great example of that because how cool is it? I mean, obviously we just had that whole conversation where we fanficed it. And I just think <laughs> it's, it's so enjoyable to have that experience. And I do want to add, too, that another thing I like about Sia is that Sia, um, and we'll get to this in a second, Sia very famously now does not want to show her face in public. And it's because when she was starting her career um, several decades ago, well, almost 20 years ago, um, she was uh, beset by demons of drugs and alcohol, right? And now that Sia is in her, she's 40 years old now, she is someone who I think really knows what it's like to welcome death. I mean, I don't think that she's just like imagining it. And I think it's really interesting to hear from a pop artist who is 40 and singing like this. And it's because Sia did not become famous in America until, or really even famous at all as a singer with her own hits in a massive way until Chandelier. And that was just a few years ago. So she was in her late 30s before she really broke out. And it's incredibly rare for a pop artist to emerge in their late 30s with their first hit. And to, for her to have a top 10 song right now at the age of 40 with Cheap Thrills is very rare. But I think it gives an extra layer of, um, I don't want to say authenticity because that's becoming this thing where I always talk about that. But I guess I'll say authenticity. <laughs> but I just really like, I buy it from Sia because she's like a little bit older and I just feel like when my girl talks about death and then she's happy and she's like, yo, death, I made you a pina, I just buy it in a different way. And I just really enjoy that. And maybe that's because I'm closer to 40 than to 20. But I, I just think that for me, there's something earned about her gruff joy. And I think that I also hear that reflected in the 
slightly uh, sandpapery quality of her voice, which I just love. And all of those things together, for me, make it such a sonically pleasant package. And I would also be interested to hear like this, the Rihanna version of this, but I, I do think that the Sia version, like, I, I, like you said, I think they could both work. And I, I like thinking about why this would work in a different way than the Rihanna version. It's basically what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell and you... I also... I like to, um, when you were talking about the nature of her lyrics and sort of the um, bold, broad strokesness of the images, mm. I was thinking back to our Jewel episode and how we were um, despairing of her <laughs> sophomoric lyrics. Yes. And I was wondering if maybe I'm, I am not a hypocrite because these, like, they are very sort of stark, um, bold central images that are not uh there's they're not complex right um but i think a that i sort of enjoy being able to fill in the blanks with for example a pina drinking death right. uh in in a work um whether it's a song or a film or whatever and i think maybe there's something to the idea that there is a difference uh in the way we this is this is going to get pretty bullshitty. Buckle up. The way we psychologically receive songs that are describing versus right. like exhorting. Do you know what I mean? Completely. Yeah. Like, there's. I, I think maybe another way of putting it is that the lyrics of the Jewel song are a passive list, and mm-hmm. the the lyrics of the Sia song are an urgent action. I mean, it's exactly what you just said describing and exhorting but it's that idea but i think between passivity and action jewel is just yeah and also jewel the the lyrics to the jewel song are just sort of like a random list of shit like paper towel or uh, my towels on the floor eggs whatever like they're just it's like whatever she just sees she's just talking about but sia is like helping us stay grounded because as simple as the lyrics are they are at least all focused on the one image they keep building upon our understanding of the central image. And that makes us feel like we're going somewhere. And it also does underscore the fact that she has a purpose. She's talking to death and she doesn't distract herself from that. She's not like the reaper. And then also one time I had a piece of pie. Like, no, she stays focused. (laughs) Yeah. And it's also, it's also forward looking that she's like, but what about all the pie did me yet? (laughs) I, I mean, again, I do, I am like worried. I don't know why it's not like either of them is listening to this, that I'm being a hypocrite, but there's something about like the images that, or the um, things that Sia still wants to do are very simplistic. Like, you know, I want to walk on the beach and make out with boys, wind in my hair. And, but for whatever reason, it's not trying so hard. It's just a very basic, not in the basic bitches sense, just, elemental let's say right um list of like if you saw death and you were like kind of trying to talk him out of taking you you would go for these like big headline things right that you wouldn't be like oh you know and what if i'd successfully dig a raisin out of an oatmeal cookie like you're not going that granular (laughs) right you're going like the really bold like sunshine frenching you gotta you gotta leave me here and i think that it's not it's not trying that hard because it doesn't have to this is a i mean maybe visceral is a little too ah 
maybe Sia is listening to this and being like, you two need to calm down. <laughs> it's just not that difficult. Uh, but I hope not. I hope she's. I hope she's like. Actually, he'd be drinking X and tweets at us. That'd be cool. <laughs> okay. So speaking of people who are listening, I do think that we have one listener out there who deserves a special message, and that is our listener named Tess. Hello, Tess. <laughs> Hello, Tess. Uh, we are told. That you have a birthday coming up, uh, July 18th. Happy birthday in advance. Yes. Uh, this is an excellent time of year to be born. My father's birthday is the day before yours, and he is a solid citizen. And my so father's birthday... birthday is the day after yours. Ooh. Oh, it's a Mark and Sarah talk about parent sandwich that <laughs> came out disgusting. Anyway, let's uh, forget that I said that. And Mark, I don't know if you could do a reading for Tess on the number one song from when she was born. I'm also told she's not super excited about it, so I'm really hoping that your overwhelming positivity will convince her that maybe it's not it's not as unawesome as she might think. Oh no, I, I got you. I got you. Tess, I'm here for you, girl, because the song that was number one on the day that you were born is Usher's Confessions Part 2. And I'm not going to front with you, Tess. That's not my favorite song, right? It's probably not your favorite song. It's probably not even Usher's favorite song. But here's the thing. The omens of the pop charts are complex. And there are still, what we have to remember is that these are still the omens of your success. And so, disregarding our taste for the particular song, let's look more deeply, shall we? Yes, let's. So here's the story. Confessions Part 2 received a lot of coverage at the time of its popularity because it was perceived to be a song in which Usher admitted that he had slept around with his girlfriend and impregnated another woman, who at the time was perceived to be... Uh, the woman he was supposedly cheating on was Chili from TLC. Ask your mom. She'll explain who TLC was. Um, but what it actually, uh, what actually proved to be the case is that this song was written about Jermaine Dupri and his cheating around, right? Jermaine Dupri was and is a successful hip-hop songwriter, producer, performer, and he wrote and produced this song with Usher. So I think that the thing that you can take away from this is as follows. You were born during a song's reign that was able to prove the power of narrative, right? The power of seeing the story and communicating the story well. And I think that what you can remember is that there's going to be some success in your life. It could be personal, professional. Honestly, you're what? I think you're 12 now. So it could be just about anything. It's up for you. It's up to you to figure it out. But there's something about your ability to hear the story of someone else and translate it in such a way that everyone else wants to hear it, right? What is it that the world is telling you? Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a cause, maybe it's a group of people. I, there's something in the world that is telling you something and you can hear it and communicate it in such a way that a vast number of people will want to hear it. And when I say tell that story, I don't know if I mean through writing, through singing, through art, through politics, through science, through math. I don't know what your preferred or most passionate method of communication will be, but look for the thing that you feel like you can explain to others, the story that you can tell to other people, 
And if you feel excited about it, you should probably go for it because that is what was happening when you were born. Someone was telling someone else's story in such a way that it caught fire. And that would be the thing that I would carry with you as you go forward under the sign of Confessions Part 2. Now, what I also want to say is thanks for listening and happy birthday. Happy birthday from from Mark Mark and and Sarah. Sarah. And also your mom and dad. (laughs) <laughs> and here's some Pompeii to cleanse the palate. Well, folks, that was our very first ad. I'm super excited about that. And, uh, Mark, I really think that you buoyed that song's prospects, at least in my opinion. Well, you know what? I appreciate that. And I, I, I'm just the vessel. I mean, these are just these are just the ways that the, that, that the power of the of the charts move through me. Um, now, before we do... <laughs> the great before, spirit speaks. Exactly. I just <laughs> I just lay before the altar. Um, I just want to take a few more minutes, though, to go back to Sia and talk about one of the reasons I love her also is that, as you mentioned, this album, This Is Acting, was about... Um, it was It's full of songs that were intended for other people. And as I've said, Sia does not typically show her face anymore. She... Um, she hides her face behind a wig or she has other people play her in her music videos. When she performs concerts, she performs under this wig or she'll perform with her back to her audience. And I just read something recently online. I want to say it was in Slate or Vulture or Jezebel or one of those sites I read talking about how one of the things that Sia has done is she has managed to become a female pop star who does not have anyone talking about her looks. She's like completely short circuited that narrative But another thing that I think she's done that I think is so cool is she has forced us to consider what we think of as the real or the authentic, there I go again, in our pop stars. She refuses, in a way, to be authentic because she makes us remember that it is all, in a certain way, a performance. And what I think is so interesting now is that she has taken an entire album of songs that she wrote to help create personalities for other artists and then she took them back and refashioned them into her own performed personality. So now you've got Sia, Sia creating Rihanna, and then you've got, on the next level, Sia reclaiming Rihanna and recreating it for herself. And I just really love all of the levels of metatheatricality there, because to me, it doesn't make the songs feel fake in any way. It actually makes them feel refreshingly honest, because she's just saying, like, this is literally acting. Like, you can just enjoy this. And even though I know I was saying before that she is someone who has suffered and has taken drugs and has probably walked hand in hand with death on the beach, I do love the fact that she is still saying, but you know what? I am going to underscore the fact that even if these things are true in my life in some way, I'm not actually giving you myself. I'm crafting a performance. And I'm just someone who fundamentally respects an artist who is in that much conscious control of their work. That's always something that has appealed to me. And so while I do love that we get the raw emotion of her voice, we get the visceral impact of this bounce of her song here, I also appreciate that while we get all that, we also get a sense of an artist in control. And I didn't want to let the uh, episode go without hollering about that. Uh, I'm glad you did because there's really something... There's really something, um, you know, get like diving back into uh, English major territory for a second. Uh, this brings up um, or reminds me of like n- new critical or new criticism thinking about 
texts. Right. And how you're supposed to completely divorce anything that you might know about the artist or, I mean, the poet in my particular English major case, that you really were supposed to um, only take the work and not think about anything like, for example, like you're just supposed to read the Whitman right. and read about the lilacs blooming in the dooryard and divorce it from anything that you knew about his life, his work in the right. Civil War, his relationships with men, et cetera, and so on. This is particularly significant, let's say, so that I'm not groping for a word for 20 minutes, uh, when it comes, I think, to female artists and especially given the artists for whom we know these songs may have originally been intended and the flashpoints of discussions that um, that we have had about those artists, like Rihanna and her relationship with Chris Brown, right? Uh, Adele and her weight, uh, what the culture sometimes thinks it can tell women and particularly women singers right. or storytellers in song about what they also, on top of singing and often having to dance, what they're supposed to look like and what they're supposed to feel about what we feel about what they look like, which is not really part of the job strictly speaking right and it was something that you would see on american idol every season right you're, that eventually God, you're so everybody right. would reach that same dis boys and girls but especially girls would reach that same disapp disappearing like horizon point of glossy right and any girl or woman who came in a little bit butch a little bit like be Arthur tomboy like they just that was slowly pressed out or they're like let's repackage that as punky well and eventually and checkerboard too board vans and a dress and it's like and, and Sia's choices in this regard I think are very thought-provoking and interesting particularly because of the artists from whom these songs were or like rejected or borrowed back from exactly and you're you know on American Idol too there was always the point where Paula mostly would instead of critiquing mm -hmm. the voice would critique the look but she'd always say oh you look so beautiful tonight you look great i love your hair and Whatever. in parentheses like sort of unspoken was like dot 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 finally exactly like, you finally look like a pop star exactly like, and and it is exciting and now that that's not part of it but interrogating sorry yeah no fine do it <laughs> new cred 341 afternoon section uh interrogating what that means and why it means something in our culture that in addition to doing the job you you have a second job which is to sell your visual ability to do the first job right is fucked up and one of the things that i love about what sia is doing too is that obviously we've had david bowie lady gaga madonna really have all toyed with their images but they've always shown their faces and i just think there's something so punk rock about Sia's refusal to show her face. It's yeah. like, and it's, 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 and you know, in like bands like whatever, Guar, or like those crazy death metal bands that wear the crazy masks, like that's. Or what was the, what was the, so or Kiss? Or Kiss. But or, like, but what was the crazy side project that like it took forever for this to be uncovered and then the internet was born and someone solved the mystery in like 10 minutes? Oh, what was the name of it? They used to wear these big, like, papier-mâché eyeball 
eyeballs over their heads on oh, stage yeah. and then it turned out it was just the talking heads minus yes. like Brian Eno right. the residents yes and that's also making I don't that's making me think about gorillas too remember the animated mm-hmm. band I just but yes. you know, and yet there's still to me there's something so particular and exciting about what C is doing even in this context even in this like conversation about pop imagery because Sia is overtly she's like the point is that you don't get to see and I feel like that gorillas maybe the talk the the eyeball thing is more along the lines of this but there's just something really refreshing about someone who is playing with us like this but also is making straight ahead top 40 pop you know she's just like I, I just think that she's a really fascinating and exciting artist for all of these reasons and I think that she is someone who might people might be tempted to dismiss her because she does make such catchy tunes, but I think that the more you dig there, the more you find. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is a weekly podcast created and hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. If you'd like to request a song for discussion or share the mixtape of your soul, we are all about it. Send us an email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com Tweet us at Talk Songs or visit our brand spanking new Facebook page. That's Mastes.podcast or just search Facebook for Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Today's theme music was written and performed by David Gregory Byrne. And if you'd like to buy an ad, we welcome you. Advertise your business, send a personal message, or just hum a few bars. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com to get started with your advertising journey. Until next week, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this... And this was was Mark Mark and Sarah Sarah. Talk About Songs. Talk About Songs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's too professional, people will feel alienated. In a drop top, do a hundred y'all in my review mirror racing. We are Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.